What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and this week we have Marco Capalbo, who just finished editing Fireball, Visitors from Dark World, for Werner Herzog. We sit down and discuss how Werner Herzog likes to work with his editor, and it's actually quite different than I expected. It's actually the very first question I ask. So stay tuned for that. Now, if you like these interviews, you're going to really enjoy FilmmakerU.com. At FilmmakerU.com, we create courses that deepen and diversify your existing skill set. You can get 10% off with AOTG at FilmmakerU.com. And you can check out courses by The Colorist for Mad Max, Fury Road, or Martin Scorsese's Sound Designer. All this with 10% off at FilmmakerU.com using AOTG. Now with all that said, here's my interview with Marco. Werner Herzog is very, I guess, renowned and well-known documentary filmmaker. So how does he like to work with you as an editor? Well, we've worked on a number of projects now. So we have a kind of, uh, you know, we've established a, a pattern, if you like. It kind of goes without a lot of preamble. We just dive right into it and um, get on with it. Uh, now, in this case, Fireball, because they were shooting all over the place, you know, it, it covers, uh, I think, five continents. So we had footage coming in uh, different times. Sometimes I would get it ahead of time. They would be out in the field. Sometimes Werner would bring it back. So it was kind of put together in that way as they were shooting it. Then we sit, you know, Werner is very specific about the way he likes to work in one regard, is that he and I sit together and we look through every frame of the footage and we log it by hand, writing down by hand everything. Werner, I think, uniquely forbids transcripts. Why, why is that? Uh, it's a number of things. I think it's it's to get away from what can easily come up, which is a kind of a paper edit. So mm. we don't have anything like that. Plus, uh, it keeps the material very much in the editing room. It's not floating around out there in a transcript form that others can get their mitts into. So um, that means that we're very much focused in the editing room with what we have in front of us rather than, you know, as I say, there's this idea of a paper edit, and this is anathema to Werner. One of the things you touched on there, which is interesting, is that your cutting is the story's being built, because it's coming in from the different continents. So was there a script or a scratch track that he was sending in? Or... Uh, we do the, we do the, I have also a, uh, an audio and recording studio in my studio, so we do the uh, narration very much as we go. It's very much part of the scene as it's being made. It's not something that's coming in either before and we're cutting to it, nor is it uh, something that's just put on after. It evolves as we're making the scene, which I think gives it a very kind of organic feel to it. And I think that's unusual too. Other other directors I work with that, doesn't, that do a narration, it doesn't work like that. Either it's a scripted thing sometimes before or more often you know that's then concocted at the end that's not the case with her what does he come to you with at the start like does he have sort of an outline or something that you can sort of nope. go off of nothing nope. i think that um and i think that's very much the strength of the filmmaking is that sure there are ideas we don't have a lot of discussions beforehand oh we're going to try to do this or that or the other thing no 
Um, we look at everything. We don't cut anything until we've seen everything. Now, in this case, things were coming in in several chunks. So that applies to those, you know, shooting sequences. And then we kind of, as we're going through the footage, becomes clear that, yes, this is something very important. This is going to be in the film. This is going to be in the film. And then we just start kind of uh, assembling the thing. It's uh, another point that goes along with that is that the music is available to us at the beginning also, which again is quite unusual uh, in editing a film of this kind. Often the music is very much an afterthought. That's not the case here. Because we're working with the same team of people, in this case, well, the cinematographer is someone who's worked on a lot of Werner films that I've cut also, uh, Peter Zeitlinger, amazing uh, cinematographer. The composer, in this case, someone who's worked a lot with Werner uh, on films that I've edited also, Ernst Reisinger. So that music is available to us from the, from the beginning and gets put into the film very early. Yes, there may be some changes here or there, but basically it's part of the, it's not an afterthought. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, again, organically in the scene. That's really interesting. You talk to editors and they'll say, oh yeah, I cut the scene without music on. Like I mute my music track. Do you mute it to check out your pacing and everything or do you just put it right in and start cutting? Again, it's um, it comes in quite early, sure. I mean, the picture is, yes, the picture is cut first. Mm-hmm. That's true. But it's, uh, the music comes in and sometimes the music is there almost before the scene is cut so that the mood is very clearly... Uh, we know the mood and that what we're trying to get at in the scene. And then there are parts that the music is cut to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather, the picture is cut now to the music. So there is, again, it's uh, I, I use that word, that there's an organic feel to it. And I think that comes across in the finished film, that the elements are, are very much combined rather than as you know disparate elements. One of the things that came up when, whenever I watch a, a, a Herzog film, is he has a very unique pace, one yes. that would be much slower and methodical and thought out, but it doesn't feel slow, if that makes sense. Like, it feels natural. And so how do you work with his pacing, but make sure that there's still some ebb and flow for the audience so that they're not just sitting there uh, in the voiceover? Yes, I think that's the key, really, to cutting the film as a whole, is to is to find that because um, as you say there and particularly in a documentary of this kind which has a lot of technical information you know it's a scientific topic there's that side of it and I think we are very aware sometimes we we talk about it um, but we're certainly as we're watching the film very aware of how much inf- that sort of flow of information how much can you really absorb before you just kind of overload it and you need a moment to digest there's something which we talk about a word that comes up or a thought that comes up in cutting which is that some of these ideas whether they're things that Werner says or that are topics raised by the by the material um, the notion of letting something kind of linger so that there's a thought that can be quite a big thought or that's quite an unusual way of seeing things. After that, you, you need time then to let it linger is the word using, but you know, to let it kind of sit in to, to digest it. And that's a moment where there's almost a sort of, we turn off the information 
in a sense. And music can be very, uh, can be very powerful there. So there's a moment of contemplation that allows you now to sit with the notion of, you know, well, is life coming at us from, from outer space or something? That's quite a big idea, if, just as an example. Uh, so it needs a moment to kind of reflect on that before you can now go into another topic with a lot of new information coming into you. So we're very much watching that flow of information. I love that you said that because there was moments where I was like, like you said, lingering is not the right word, but uh, almost absorbing a moment. Yes. Like the the Mexican Day of the Dead, there's sort of this nice sitting bit and the in Hawaii with the dances and everything. So it's yes. interesting that... I don't even know how you would describe that. Like, <laughs> I don't without seeing it. It's it's a very yes. interesting approach. Yes. The the you know the other thing that comes up with in a film like this is that it's while it is a documentary, you know, Werner's documentaries are quite unusual in the regard. For example, it's in no way would you describe this as a National Geographic type of documentary. Mm-hmm. Where pretty much, it's you know the information and that's it well presented etc but it's not trying to go off into areas that may on the surface seem to have nothing to do with the film and that's a kind of a trademark of Werner you know we call them those Herzogian moments mm-hmm. and there's always the thing in editing is that yeah where we don't want to get too lost in the in the weeds of just the information again but to find a way to let it go off into well, there's that moment where we have that Jean the minor Mm-hmm. which was uh, something that was shot in a museum that actually has nothing to do with the film. And it was shot, I don't want to say it was shot by accident, because I think it obviously appealed to Werner and appealed to the cameraman. But what it was going to be, how it was going to be used or what it could be used for was absolutely not in any plan of any kind. That just sort of evolved rather spontaneously in the editing room as something that was just a flight of fantasy that seems to have nothing to do with the topic at hand. And yet it does have to do with it, but by not in a literal way and not in an expected way. And that too, I think is something that gets away from, again, you can just overload the audience with information, information, you know, very literal stuff. So I think they enjoy a moment of you know, fantasy and humor in this case, actually, kind of absurdity that takes you away from that. It again allows you then to freeze the uh, freeze you up to be able to then go back and okay, now we have some more information that needs to get there. So that's something we're quite conscious of in the cutting room also. Were there other moments that were like that that you really wanted to put into the film, but you just couldn't because it just didn't fit or there wasn't enough time? Or well, the th- you mean things that were left out? You had this minor moment that was really interesting and sort of discovered yes. in the edit suite. Was there other moments discovered in the edit suite, but you had to leave out because they just didn't fit in? Um, I think, in fact, the only things that really got cut out of the film, I would say, were, were moments when we felt it was becoming too technical. And we had moments where we went further. In fact, there's one you can, in a, in a way, you can see the vestige of it, where uh, Verna says something, I believe it's in the Princeton Professor, hmm. saying, yeah, well, you know, he, he goes at, at, into great detail about this, uh, but, you know, we're not going to give you the whole thing here. Verna actually says that yeah. in the narration. We'll just give you a little flavor of it. 
there's a guy who's an expert, a very, very minute technical mathematical, which is very interesting, but you just can't go all the way into that or the audience will, you know, their toes will be numb very quickly. <laughs> so I think it was a kind of an elegant solution. Originally, that scene did have a little more of that, of him actually, of the professor without going deeper mm -hmm. into this. We don't want to lose the fact that he did that. So we kind of came up with a solution. Well, why don't we just refer to it straight on and say, you know, yes, don't worry. He can talk all night about this. I forget how he phrases it. It's funny that you'd bring that up because that was one of my question was I watched that scene and I was like, OK, well, how did you determine? Because like you said, there is moments where some of these people could get really deep into yes. this, the math, the science, you know, you name it, the geography. And you have to find a balance of giving us that information so that we understand and can apply it to other things in the film, but also not A, setting us up for confusion or B, boring us, like you said. So how did you guys draw that line or find well, that line? Well, that was, I mean, that's how we drew it, to, to <laughs> try to find, you know, to give as much as we thought was relevant and interesting and maybe even a little more because you do want to see there is something kind of you get a sense of that person by letting him go a little bit you know let him ramble on a bit because that's who he is and i think another thing that's worth saying about Werner, particularly Werner's documentaries is that in that sense it's not that different than a narrative film in the sense that the characters are very important they're not just the deliverers of the information they could be oh he's an expert that's it they have their own personality and they're all they're all quite vivid in that way and so it's again to try to find enough of that so that you have a sense of them as people and not just as oh okay he said this and this and this and i think that's a very that's a very herzogian thing but it i think it is something that people respond to in looking at the film because they do connect with these characters really is what they come end up coming across as they're real uh, but you bit have the same as you would in a narrative film you know you see the character doing a bunch of stuff and you're interested in him and in this way we want to make a virtue of their personalities i suppose you could say so we allow them things i think that's a very hard sort of thing also to allow them the moments that are just very individual and not just um providers of information what I like about that is like when the the scientist discovered that big meteorite and they have the footage from YouTube of him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this was something that's funny. That footage was actually something that we had very early uh, before they have before the actual film crew, our film crew mm -hmm. went to Antarctica and the moment of it when he just explodes in this kind of ecstasy of discovery. That was one of those things, we don't know where, we, we don't know when, but that's gonna be in the film. <laughs> that moment of, of archive will be in the film. We knew that almost the first day we were sitting and then it was kind of parked and it was you know months later that we, ah, yeah, right, it's here it comes and there it goes. It works so well, especially juxtaposed to when Werner arrives and sees them and they get hugged and then his wife arrives and you get this whole personality. Yeah, so that brings us to that, those two moments together. But it also, I think, that's a great 
an important message in a way of the film of this kind of ecstasy of scientific discovery mm -hmm. that it isn't just you know very dry sitting in a lab or whatever but these guys are you know they're they're wild characters they're adventurers right? essentially <laughs> exactly. going out into the world to discover something particularly there i mean yeah. that's you know, that's a far out kind of place well and there's a moment in that scene where oppenheimer discovers the little fragments and it made me think and this is completely off topic but <laughs> that woman also gets hit by a meteorite and we talk about she was sitting in her house and went through the yes. house what are the rules around being able to keep a meteorite i feel like if i got hit by one i should yeah. be allowed to you can't you cannot no. what, what is there is i mean i guess if you were off somewhere by yourself and you found one well i guess no one's gonna yeah, no um, one's going to know. But no, I th well, certainly in Antarctica. Um, yeah. Now, we don't get into it in the film, but there's a whole um, national um, treaty or something. Or it's all figured out. You could yeah. not slip that in your pocket and <laughs> shoot off. They would. Also, I think, you know, yeah, as scientists, they wouldn't. But, yeah. Uh, it is thought through. We don't get into it in the film, but I remember yeah. we talked about it one day in the, in the editing room. I think when Clive was around. There's also the question, I suppose, you could say with the guy, I'm forgetting his name, but the guy in, in um, Scandinavia who finds the micro-meteorites, mm -hmm. well, he's keeping those. Well, I was thinking when that woman got hit, I was like, I would at least want some kind of souvenir, but then it was in the... The souvenir was the bruise. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and lucky that it hit her only there. I think. Yeah. I guess it's like the moon. They can't, no one can own it. It seems that way, yeah. Werner Herzog's docs are uh, very much voice of God driven. And one of the sort of things about voice of God is that you're sort of guiding the audience through the story. So how do you do that and respect the, the viewer so that you're not manipulating them in any way? I think Werner would be very pleased to have himself referred to as the voice of God. But <laughs> I think that it is, uh, there is manipulation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I mean, not in a bad way, but in, in just that way that you're saying that it is, you know, particularly with Werner, because it does go beyond, it goes far beyond simply information. He's very much giving his, his opinion of things. I mean, in that little town we laughed about, <laughs> the little town in Mexico, you know, which he describes in quite unflattering terms, you know, we, we say, well, that's it. None of us will be able to go on holiday there. <laughs> so it is, I think, you know, it is giving a, it's very much giving an opinion of, um, or a point of view, maybe is a better way of, mm. of saying, uh, particularly in Berners' uh, voiceover, which then I think leads to bigger moments that it allows, the, the bigger views of of how all these things do tie together that yeah. are again not literal or maybe not just straight scientific but are, are philosophical now i have one last question that i like to ask everyone i interview and that's what would you say your favorite guilty pleasure film is to watch of any kind of film yep of any film wow uh, <laughs> but a guilty pleasure yeah so not a film that I, I would admit to liking. Is it... <laughs> Preferably. I usually tell people it's Sunday afternoon, you got nothing to do, and you're flipping the channels, and it just happens to be on. So you're like, I wouldn't watch this regularly, but I'll leave it on. Uh, right. Uh, I mean, because something else, uh, I would say, but that's I wouldn't put it as a guilty pleasure. You know, there's certainly a lot of uh, Kubrick films that if that comes on 
and you watch 30 seconds of it, you can't turn it off, uh, which is a little different. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, again, I wouldn't call it the I'm a great fan of W.C. Fields. Mm -hmm. Now, I know a lot of people these days don't really recognize him as one of the great comic geniuses, but I think he is. And there's an absurdity of it, which I like very much. So is that a guilty pleasure? I don't feel guilty about me. <laughs> but it's a good it's one because not many people would know about it in terms of people outside of film. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's worth remembering a guy like Fields in his day was one of the biggest stars in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, now, is, I think his comedy is not really seen much anymore, but it has a kind of a whimsy about it, which I like. Uh, it's very simple filmmaking. Well, actually, it's not that simple film. I was going to say simple filmmaking, actually. I don't think that's true. Quite complex filmmaking. I think I'll, I'll stick with Bill Fields as my guilty pleasure. Well, thank you so much for letting me interview. Thank you very much. So that was my interview with Marco Capalbo. I'd like to thank Marco for allowing me to interview him. I'd also like to thank Apple TV Plus for setting up this interview, as well as Evan Winch for cutting this episode. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.